You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 55 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here with Lee Fields, Daniel Cannell, and Jay Desai, and we are just happy to be hanging here on a Friday afternoon. How are you guys doing? 55. Good, good. I'm delicious. <laughs> you guys ever see good. the uh, Group X animations from E-Bombs World 15 years ago? I don't remember 15 years ago. 55? Remember that? Oh, yeah. E-Bombs World was the jam. Lee, is it 9 a.m. where you are or 9.30 a.m. where you are? Yeah. I'm glad you're awake. Yeah, me too. Drove to the office early this morning. You're in the office, you say? That's true. We got an office. So yeah, MXU now has an office space. That's great. And we are very excited about it. Yeah, and Scotty's sitting over here beside me. You guys can't see him, and he's he's giggling because we're talking about him on the podcast. (laughs) Jay, I saw you were working a show this week. Where were you? Um, I went. I was on a corporate fundraiser, but uh, where do you see? Were you in Florida? It was on your Instagram. I I was at West Palm Beach, but... Um, how are you creeping on my life? Because I didn't post anything. Maybe it was someone else. And oh, they it was Gene. Did, it was Gene, Gene Kim. Kim. Yes. The lovely Gene Kim. Yes. Uh, Johnny. He is, He, by the way, he is a lovely person. Yeah, I mean, just is. the greatest. We've been fans of Gene Kim's for a long time. So Gene, if you're listening, hi, we miss you. We Normally we'd be seeing you this week or last week at our Anaheim event. But since we didn't get to do that, it's been a long time. Hope you're well. We should have Gene on the podcast. Yeah, he his, should. It was it was an acoustic Johnny Swim business, and he killed it as always. And they sang with masks on for the record. Wow! And wow! Yeah, I told him I was going to save his preset. I was going to save his EQs and submit them to Waves as COVID nineteen preset. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a automatic low pass filters. You don't need them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. Speaking of uh, nice people, Johnny Swim. It's like some of my Man. favorite live artists to ever deal with. Just nice, and nice, nice. so talented. Yeah. Um, I listened to the po- two podcasts ago now the, with the Army guys. Yeah. And I, I like that Jeff threw in, threw in the what well, as a trumpet player. And I was <laughs> thinking that maybe, maybe sometime Jeff and I can do a duet. I had to keep up with your clarinet. Uh, shenanigans from the episode before there it is there it is and there it is (laughs) she's always 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 on the ready in case the shofar (laughs) is not available the shofar hey we we (laughs) need to invite this lovely gentleman uh on the mxu podcast one time just for good times but pat barrett yes his dad uh i got sent this video oh you did okay someone sent sent it oh you said i sent it Pat's dad is amazing, number one. He has the highest case of ADHD and all the initials that doctors ever seen, but he's also the most spiritual person I've ever met. And the two combined is magic. Marty was starting a church service by attempting to blow the shofar out the emergency exit door. And yeah, so like upstage left, there's an exit door to, to right outside the parking lot. Yes, and uh, he was not able to get the shofar going, so he just shuts the door, turns around, and just mouths. (laughs) 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 Which, I mean, you can't blame him. 
Show, show far, show good. Yeah. <laughs> Pat's mom posted the video, which is the best part. That is the best part. I wondered if this was like, oh, well, it was a live. worship fails. No, if it's it not like, on worship fails, it's going to be. It was live on Facebook. That is incredible. Okay, we definitely need to have Pat on the podcast. And so, Jay, you need to set that up. That would be I a will, good, good podcast. I will do yeah, that. It'd be a good, good podcast for sure. Um, Lee, Lee, what are you drinking? Orange juice. All Scotty right. went to Chick-fil-A this morning for breakfast and brought me some orange juice. It's a nice orange juice class. Yeah, thanks. I'm jealous. Um, Jeff, did you say you went to an audiologist yesterday and got new molds? I did. So I have been in need. Uh, well, I thought my ears were broken, like the actual right ear on my in-ears I thought was broken. Which at your age, um, it could be ears too. It could be ears, could be my actual hearing, it could be uh, debris or earwax buildup. You never know. You know, you get to be my age, you just start leaking. So, <laughs> it, it, you know, it could be any number of things. Heard that. Anyway, so I went to the audiologist to get new impressions so that I could send them off for new ears, thinking that these would just, if they weren't broken, I would just clean them up and they would be my backups. So, turns out, um, the the doctor that I saw was able to do the little vacuum suction thing and get some earwax out of there. So there, the driver is not in fact bad, but it was just clogged. So that was good news, but they still need to be updated because of the fit. And so we were talking amongst ourselves about that. Um, and just wondering what people's opinions are on how often that needs to be assessed. How often do you get your ears checked? How do you handle just hearing management and, you know, that kind of stuff. So what do you guys think? Well, I just went to the audiologist cause I just got new ears. Um, last they shipped Friday, they shipped Thursday. That was yesterday. And they arrive on Monday, which I'm excited about. But while I was there, I got a hearing test yep. and I have a slight dip at 2k. And that's it. I'd pay for that. I'd take a dip at 2K. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I felt great. But as for in-ears, I don't know. I feel like you kind of got to get – I had this long conversation with uh, someone uh, – I'll leave nameless recently, but she's a vocal coach and she's a singer, and she argued with me about the number of drivers and blah, 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 blah. And I told her I didn't care if I had two drivers or 18 drivers. Her argument was more drivers, more fatigue, and I said, I don't think that's true either. Um, I don't think your ear would know how many drivers. Well, it's about the air pressure. I then went on a deep, you know, Google search, and it was way more about air pressure, which I will say my new ears have this technology that helps release air pressure, blah, 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 blah. But then I asked her how old her ears were, and she said, well, they're 10 years. And, And then the conversation was over because your ears can't. Ears won't. Her seal's not good. Her dry, Who knows what conditions her drivers are in? She has two drivers in those things, and blah 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 blah. So, yeah. So most of that has to do for people who don't know. Most of that has to do not only with the condition of the actual electronic components and the in-ear molds or monitors themselves, but the fact that the seal changes over time because your ears change over time. The physiology of your ears. Because of the cartilage and the construction of the ear, um, human just anatomy says that your ears and your nose never stop growing. And so as you get older, 
your ears will change. And that seal that might have been great five years ago is going to change um, over time. So it's important to get them uh, at least measured and modified as needed because uh, a, a tight seal is really important. Dr. Sandstrom over here. Since I age like milk, I should get mine checked every two to three weeks. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> That's why old people have those big old droopy ears. That That is true. Hey, how old are your ears, Lee? Um, oh, I don't uh, use, do, you, do you have ears? I was about to say, do you, have I you ever mixed monitors? Um, I have mixed monitors five times. Wow. Three times when I was touring full-time and like twice since I've been at Bayside. I think but I've mixed monitors I, more than that. I was about to say, I think Canel's <laughs> been behind the monitor desk more times than you. Um, I do have a pair of ears. I have some West Tones that are now 10 years old. However, I don't wear them anymore. I can't wear in-ears. I have really dry skin, and it causes an outer ear infection, pulling them in and out, the skin irritation. So, Really? Yeah. Well, I, I was on the, I don't know if I can say company names on here. I don't care. You can yeah, bleep you can. it out. 64 Audio's website, and they have ear lube. Can't you just ear lube? I, get, I mean, I probably could, but uh, the first I'll time I'll be happy happened, to rub your ears down in Vaseline. That's fine. The first time it happened, <laughs> like... You know, like when you hear ear infection, that's an inner ear infection, but there's an outer mm -hmm. ear infection that you can get. My ear, the canal, completely closed up, just full of infections. Disgusting. And I had to mix wow. the show like that. So I'm at front of house with one ear, standing sideways, and I had Aaron come to front of house during sound check, and I'm like, am I, am I close? He's like, <laughs> yeah, you're fine. And then I just knew I'm hitting cues at that point. I'm not really mixing. It was awful. That's crazy. Yeah. So I stopped putting things in my ears. Canal, I see you're wearing ears. Yeah, and they're black. And that's about all I can contribute to this conversation. Your walls look great, though. These are a spa, apparently. Yeah, they are. I uh, Yeah, I guess these are UEs. I didn't need anything fancy. This was... Uh, I've actually damaged my hearing over the years from too many shows of wearing a one-ear comm and wearing letting comm. everything plug yep. into here. Oh. So when, uh, when I left COTM, started actually doing shows again, in fact, I think I picked these up for passion oh. one year. When, uh, I see a lot of LDs I, you know, wearing ears. It's a, it became a thing while I was in the you know, full-time role in a, at a church and didn't need them there, so never got into it. But I kind of watched the other guys get into it and wishing I had done it back in the day. Like, uh, you know, too many years of loud PAs blasting. And I don't know if there's any truth to this, but I've been told since then that if you're wearing intercom and you're wearing one ear covered intercom, both ears attempt to adjust to that volume. So you're almost leaving this one more open and it's allowing more damage to happen to the exposed ear. Could be full of crap. I don't know if that's true. would have to ask Dr. Sandstrom. There I go. think it's backwards. So if you've got one ear in a mold and you play music and you turn it up to where you're like, yeah, it's pretty loud. And then you put the other ear in and seal it. You will be terrified at how loud it is. Yeah. Maybe it's that. You know, I always wore my calm on this ear, but this ear is the one that's damaged. Yes. I assume from exposure to the PA. I yeah, hate so. calm. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I know an audio, I mean, I know a lighting guy who's got like Roxanne JHs. Yeah. Those are like 3000 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, what's, what's the deal here, bro? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did splurge for the nicer UEs just because I wanted the low end. Uh, Which ones the, do you get? I think they're 10s or 11s. 11s. Dude, the, the UE11 is one of the yeah. best sounding ears ever. 
that's what these are. And I don't really need them for shows to be that good. But during programming, that's where I found it to be so handy is I can actually crank them up nice and loud, get some low end and really feel the energy of the song. Yeah, music actually sounds good through them. and I've gotten yeah. snobby and use a DAC and blah, 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 blah. When does I'm it actually make a difference? It does. It really does. And there are, there are people that are even weirder than me, and now they're making like a, a buffer to go over the USB because they say USB has noise, which I'm like, at that point, I don't care. Wow. So wow. I'm just listening to music. <laughs> That's crazy. That's cool. Well, I ended up I ended up with sixty fours with the the A twelves. That's what which, I got. They'll be here yeah, Monday. Really, really, really nice. So I'm excited. So uh, has anybody uh, flooded a stage recently? I know some people that did. I was at home in quarantine the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the reason we're all here together today is to just sort of revisit a conversation that we have had time and time again on the MXU podcast. And it came up because people saw posts about the sermon illustration at Transformation uh, a couple weekends ago. Last weekend. We're going to name names? I mean, We're naming names, it's absolutely. It's all, it's all over the interwebs. Um, I mean, Steph so, Curry reposted it. <laughs> he did. So Daniel and his team helped the church with executing this illustration. And everybody can agree that it was an incredible expression of the presentation of the message. What a lot of people don't know and had complained about on some of our favorite forums is they saw it as a potential waste of resources and bad stewardship because how could something that extravagant and that expensive looking um, compare in terms of the effectiveness of using those dollars to feed and clothe people and serve the poor and all that, that also needs to be a part of our mission. So we thought we would just have a little bit of conversation with Daniel himself about that, because we've talked a lot about stewardship over the years, and we just want to make it very clear that this was not a case of bad stewardship, and Daniel's here to tell us why. Yeah, no, absolutely. First off, it wasn't Daniel who did that. It was my awesome team. I was at home being mom to two boys since we were all locked down in quarantine. So say that because I'm beyond proud for uh, what those guys were able to pull off. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, we got a few direct comments about it and this is nothing new. You know, I have, as long as I've been involved in church production, you get people that pop up and their first comment is about money. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's the way you, one way, uh, those comments come in was like what you were saying, Jeff. And I think that's most of what we saw with this one of people going, oh, well, couldn't that have been better used to feed people? And the other one, and I don't know if we want to talk about this one or not, but I was thinking about it this week. The other comment about money uh, we get a lot is, oh, yeah, if we had that budget, we could do that too. And, mm, and yeah. I go, if you're not already doing that with no budget and figuring out a way around it, you're wrong. And I don't say that to pick on anybody. I say that to where if, if you see something cool happen in a church and your first instinct is to talk about the the money or the financial side of it, you have a perspective issue. Like, there's some way you need to look at this situation differently. Um, but yeah, the uh, you know on the transformation stuff, I'm not going to get into to their business and talk about the actual financial side of it. But I will tell you this: the uh, the actual cost of all that. I don't care what number you have in your head; it was lower than what we than than whatever that number is. 
You know, water we, is free. Water is free. Um, and the way we ended up doing that, it was actually really simple. We did. Um, so I guess let, let me even back this up because I want to say too, this was this was the transformation team's idea. We didn't, you know, DC Pro didn't come up with this. They kind of came to us and went, "Hey, we're we have this this neat idea for sermon illustration. You think we can do it?" And I went, "Oh heck yeah, we can." You know, I got excited about this one because this, you know, this is one I haven't. Someone mentioned to me that someone else did this at some point in the past few years. I didn't see it. Um, so my first thought was, hey, yeah, I've never seen anyone flood a whole stage of a church. Let's do it. You know, I get excited about that sort of thing. Um, but we, we've we done some video that I want to post at some point of how it was all built. But literally, it was, sent, it, we, we laid down a sheet of visqueen, which is a sheet of black plastic, six mil. We did a ring of cinder blocks on top of that to create the the retainer around the edge. We did another sheet of visqueen over the whole thing. And then we did rows of sandbags all the way around the outside as like an extra, you know, weight to protect that levee. And then filled it up with water. Um, the part oh, where yeah, was, hold on. Yeah. That's it? That's it. You didn't call Tate and have them build <laughs> some crazy, you know, million dollar apparatus? Exactly. No, it was plastic. So here's what I will say is materials wise, this was somewhere between six and 800 bucks. Is what that entire thing cost. Now, <laughs> the, the part I won't get into because, frankly, it's nobody's business. Is transformation did bring us in to do it. We are a for-profit company. We have to charge for labor. We have to charge for the things like that. So the total cost was above that six to eight hundred bucks. But literally, it was center blocks, bags of sand, plastic, and then even though I was on quarantine, I snuck out one day to buy the the plumbing parts we needed to do the rain curtain, and I spent I think it was two hundred and twenty-three dollars on PVC and hose nozzles and hose. And that was it. So for less than a thousand dollars in materials, you were able to pull off what looked like a million bucks and was the most effective way to communicate that passage of scripture that I've ever seen. It, exactly. And, you know, more importantly, and this is one of the, the things you guys actually brought up is if you spread that cost across the number of people that were reached by that message. Right. You're under a penny a person. Well, it's you can't tell me that's well, you not don't know the spent. longevity of it either. Yeah, I think it'd live for ten years. Yeah, you know, there's people that normally would never be involved in in church or watching something online that suddenly saw this thing pop up on their their Instagram or Facebook of a dude sitting in the middle of a boat with an LED wall behind him and went, "Oh, hey, let me watch this. Let me check it out." Yeah, and it's even. Further than that, now now you've got Steph Curry posting it to his Instagram. You know, right? It was one thing to have their one point three million YouTube subscribers and Mike's million Instagram followers, but I I bet the impressions on that are in the tens of millions easily. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy for less than a thousand dollars in material. That's amazing. It, it's the best use of church yeah. resources I've ever seen. Actually, right? Yeah. So instead of complaining about what they could have done instead, let's look at what they actually did. Because it's, first of all, it's not an either or thing because their church budget also includes things like feeding the poor and, you know, servicing the needs of the community and reaching out to the neighborhood and mm -hmm. all of those type things that we're all called to do. And they do an amazing job at it. And they do an amazing job of that in the way they serve the community of Tulsa locally. But for crying out loud, the reach and the influence and the impact is beyond anything ever of a, any of us have ever been a part of. So before you start pointing fingers, man, just look at the 
effectiveness. Yeah. In November, they did a, um, a series on giving. And at the end of the series, everyone brings in their offering. And it was a lot of money. And they gave it all away. $3.3 million they gave away to, I think they gave a million dollars away to churches that have been hurting through the pandemic. And the other $2 million to either families in need or small businesses in need or other NGOs and nonprofits in need. I mean, yeah. Chad Vegas, who was just on our podcast a few weeks ago, his wife runs a nonprofit um, to help victims of trafficking. She had no idea it was going to happen. Mike brought her on stage in November, and they cut her foundation a check for $30,000. That's amazing. And so in one day, they gave away $3.3 bucks. But all we want to do is complain that they spent too much money on their Home Depot run. Right. And, you know, Another perspective on this too is they who'd they spend that money with? Let's well, spend it with me. So I'm an owner of a company that is in an industry that is completely decimated by a pandemic. Yeah, I have multiple employees who every single one of them has a heart for the church, attends a, a church. Uh, some of them attend Transformation. Some of them attend other churches. Um, you know, obviously as a company, we don't require everyone to tithe, but being a, a group of Christians that do life together, I know that everybody on my team does. So that money they spent went to local companies, went to people in this community, went to a company that's part of an industry that is, is getting just decimated by this pandemic. Um, you know, it's not like they went, you know, you know, it, it, I think sometimes people see that initial expenditure of money and don't consider what all is going, it's even going towards after that's good. that, you know, uh, one of my big big pet peeves is churches that go to anybody and go, hey, so we're a church, so you're going to give us a discount, right? No, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. No. And and I want, you know, most of what our business is built around churches, so we have relationships and certain ones get discounts, but not because they're churches, it's because of the relationship we we have back and forth with them. I've, you know, I grew up at a, working at a company as, you know, in my teens, I was one of the, one of the rental managers there. And it was every day we were getting a call that was to, to that effect. Um, that made my point of view on it, you know, especially after working at a church for eight years, was if you are working at a church and you're spending money in your local community, the last thing you need to be doing is asking for a discount. And I understand not everyone out there has Transformation's budget. Not everyone out there has Church on the Move's budget, Passage's budget, any of the, the big churches that we all you know look to or are involved with. But the... If you're going to your local suppliers and you're constantly in your local small businesses and you're constantly beating them up to save a little bit of money, how does that affect that small business owner's opinion of your church and your organization? How does it affect that those employees? You know, if they're not Christians already, all they're going to know is that you're this church coming in and going, "Hey, we know we're in a nice big building over here in the other part of town, but can you know can you knock twenty percent off of us because because we're we're good?" Well, Daniel, it says a lot about you guys too, though, to be asked to do something like that. And then for you not to call Tate or, you know, some huge staging company that have built one of these for the Grammys and to go, guys, we could do this at Home Depot. Yeah. You know, they were probably expecting, they threw out the idea, it was a what if, right? Yep. And I think they were expecting to hear back something significant, like we want to flood the whole stage and have sprinklers put in, like that's probably going to be very expensive, like everyone thought. Mm -hmm. So for you to come back and go, hey, let's get some some dudes in their F-150s and go to Lowe's, we'll make this happen. Like that says a lot about you too, to not take advantage of someone. So well done on you and your team. Yeah. 
Very well done. Thanks, but you know, at the same time, this is this is part of the payoff that I experienced when we did the whole seeds uh, conferences and everything at, at Church on the Move. And this is something we still try and make part of our company culture. Um, yes, transformation has a great budget. Yes, most of their clients we work with, you know, the majority of them have a, a really good budget, and, that, and that's great. But that budget needs to be spent where it's going to be most impactful, you know, and. Uh, if we can use this type of stuff, like this, this is, I didn't want to just talk about this this week to chastise the people that commented on social media about, you know, was this a good use of resources? I mean, sure. Part of me wants to, but two, I want to make sure churches out there understand like that, that other part of that financial conversation I mentioned of the, you know, maybe you don't look at it as a church wasting resources, but you look at it as, oh, well, I wish we could do something that cool at our church, but we can't because we don't have any money. No, 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 no. Transformation was still doing cool stuff when they didn't have any money. Right. Church on the Move was still doing cool stuff when they didn't have any money. You know, back in the days of touring, you know, I've talked about this one a lot before of my favorite times are the period where we didn't have enough because you got to figure out how to make the most out of it. So that was another big part of wanting to share this is I want to go, you know, if you found this, this illustration impactful, cool. You could have done it for about 800 bucks at your church. You know, Transformation ultimately spent more than that because they didn't have volunteers available at the moment to come in and handle a lot of the labor side of it. So they contracted our company and labor is expensive. But even, you know, even with that, we're still not talking the type of numbers that people would think. You know, we're not talking about $10,000. What you're saying is, I think it's safe to say that almost any church in America could do that. 100%. Because if, even if you don't have $800, if you could have a conversation with some donors and go, here's what we want to try and do this weekend. Can can we all pitch in a couple hundred bucks each? You'd be able to do it. Like It's so compelling of an idea. Possibly even simpler than that. Do you have anybody in your church that owns a construction company? Right. Ask them if they have any leftover plastic and bags of sand and cinder blocks. Or maybe they have some that are going to go to a job next week and are available to get used this weekend. Uh, I mean, That's literally, this, this potentially could have been done for free. Um, you know, even as cheap as we did it, we could have done it cheaper if we had a little more lead time. This was a last minute idea, which the great ideas are often last minute. So we had to scramble a little bit and we didn't get to bargain shop. You know, had we had been able to materials may have been 500 instead of 800, you know, there's definitely ways to, to make this happen on the cheap or the free. If you get creative with how you do it, you guys put it together in about five days. Is that right? Um, from initial conversation to execution. From initial conversation to the first day of setup. Yeah, it was about five days. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. we st- started construction maybe 16 hours before they first used it. Yeah. Yeah, worst, the longest part was it takes a while to fill that much water. Yeah, that's true. So. <laughs> as, for the, as for the people making all the comments, just mind your damn business. Hey, it's real there simple. you go. Some of that too. Check on your yeah, own yeah. church. Don't worry about other people's <laughs> churches. Yeah. But use it as use it as a way to be inspired. Yeah. Like creativity doesn't need to always be limited by budget and you know And call just, DC Pro, uh, get a discount. There you go. Boom. <laughs> Mention you heard it on MXU and coupon code flood. One percent discount. I hope that this summer I see people copying it. I yep. hope um, tons of churches go out and copy this. Like talk about a cool set for like your vacation Bible school or like student camps, like that would be killer. Like if yeah. your church isn't the, you know, you don't have the Michael Todd preacher with the over the top um, sermon illustrations, 
my, I showed my kids this, and for the first time, they were like, okay, that's cool. That church is actually cool. I'm like, yeah. oh, man, do we need to move to Tulsa? No, well, I'm not moving to Tulsa. But And I think those same people that look at the financial side first sometimes look at that and go, oh, well, that's showing off. No, 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 no. It's attracting people to the message. It's making people go, oh, that's interesting. I need to, right. I, let me listen to what he's saying. Yeah, let's yeah. not forget. It's a, let's not get into God and creativity, or let's not get into modern day parables. I mean, it's you know, G- Jesus was asked, "Hey, what is heaven like?" And he goes, "Well, there was this farmer." I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, we're using engaging, practical, modern things to help illustrate a story. Daniel, how that, did they do worship? So, um, transformation has uh, stayed. Um, completely shut down to the public Got throughout, throughout all this. Got it. Um, they, for a variety of reasons, and again, I don't want to get into all their business, but it's a new building. There's some construction that needs to be redone. So it kind of worked out. And, and a majority of their audience is online anyway. Um, not that they don't have a, a, a great local following here, but um, it just made more sense from what I've been told to keep things shut down so the room was able to be um, uh, remodeled during COVID. That's Which awesome. is something else people probably don't know. That, that, thing you saw the 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 illustration the the set everything you see from them right now is in their lobby yeah so it's not like we have this billion dollar amazing facility that uh we're able to do anything we possibly want in we had to get them out of their auditorium so the auditorium could be remodeled for you know better acoustics better rigging situation so we set up their entire production in their lobby very front front center of the church so that entire lake we built was was in the floor of their lobby which might not have been able to be done on five foot decks. Definitely would not have been. But that was another thing. You know, when COVID uh, came about and they mentioned to me what they want to do, we went, okay, well, we no longer need to approach this like a live event. We need to treat this like a TV studio, which means we need to drop it down off the stage so we can do crazy illustrations if you want and have better camera angles and, you know, don't have to deal with some of the, the struggles that you normally have to deal with when you're on a stage for a live environment. Yep. That's very cool. I think it's awesome. I dug it. I uh, I hated not being able to be there, but uh, it was also pretty awesome to be sitting at home with my wife and kids at the tail end of our quarantine, watching it online and going, hey, that's my team, and I'm not there. So definitely a proud papa moment. Yeah, and huge shout out to Mike, to Charles, to yep. Jeremy, to Chad, the team there. I mean, it was their idea. This wasn't mm-hmm. Daniel coming to them going, hey, I got this idea. You know, those guys are definitely taking new ground you know their mission is to represent jesus to the rest of the world in a way that no one has done it before well they did it last weekend pretty dang well yeah yeah all right jeff why don't you tell us about our guest today well we got a lot of great feedback from part one of our interview with the guys from tweed recording in athens And so today we're going to bring you part two of that conversation where we just dig a little deeper and get some more insight from these good friends and great engineers um, who may have different experience from us in the studio, but a lot of the principles apply so well. So here's part two of our conversation. When we last talked, we were just sort of talking about the micro versus macro in what we're listening for as we're creating a mix and how we listen to music. And so we had some great input from you guys on just your thought process in that. But we ended up with this interesting question about how 
you know, you mentioned um, the Instagram mm-hmm. sort of, Charlie asked about board mixes and how management and you as the engineer handle, like, why does this board mix sound the way it does? What can we do to fix it or make it better? And you said, you know what, nowadays it's it's more about what's on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like somebody holds up their phone in the middle of the show and they record and then post. We're kind of checking our mixes and what the PA sounds like through somebody's phone. Mm-hmm. So because so many of our tribe is from the house of worship space, um, that's really become true even more so this year as we focused more on streaming and you know, either live streaming a service or pre-recording and broadcasting after the fact. And a lot of our engineer friends have struggled because they don't have the room, they don't have the PA, they don't have the crowd to maybe either enhance or mask some of the deficiencies in their mix. So a lot of them have gotten really better at mixing, at, at the craft. But now I think there's been such a focus on how do I get this thing so good? Mm-hmm. And there's maybe still some things that aren't translating very well, particularly on Facebook. So I don't know. I just feel like there's room there for a conversation of, you know, how do we take this idea of active listening to, okay, when it gets real practical, like I'm actually putting something out there, not just for a PA, mm-hmm. but something that people are consuming online while they're making pancakes on a Sunday morning or listening to when they can get to it during the week. Like there's a, I think there's an even more reason for it to be compelling Mm -hmm. because we want to engage people, especially with this message. But sometimes the tools and how we're deploying them aren't translating so well. So how can we help? Like, I know that's a huge topic. I, a, a million things just went off, okay. um, and I'll try to reel them in or, or disperse them periodically. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the, you know, as you're talking about things not, maybe not translating, and there was something else you said that made me think about, you know, really what's happening here now is we're going from what we don't have anymore or what the engineer doesn't have anymore at their disposal is volume and is the emotion that comes with volume. Yeah. And particularly live sound, you know, where there is a physical element to it, which you mentioned kind of masking deficiencies. You can kind of hide a lot. There's a lot of sleight of hand uh-huh. involved in just moving air. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's that that's no longer there. The 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 flaws and the realities of what uh, are going on are more revealed now. Yep. And then you know, one thing that I would say is, is how could we help if there's something I could impart is now that you've, you, we've gone from mixing on, depending on the size of your, uh, the house of worship that you're working at, you know, the size of the speaker system to a laptop, a phone, right. a TV. So what we're missing now is all of that, not just low end, but low mid, like oh, yeah. we're, you're missing a lot. So where I'm going with this is embrace harmonic distortion and start to look and learn and listen a lot of, and, 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 and research about psychoacoustics and how our ear fills in the gaps, you know, via harmonics. So, cause no one's hearing that bass. Cause no one's hearing that if we can be technical, yep. no one's hearing that 80 Hertz anymore. Like right. it's gone, forget it. Focus on now on the, the shift that you can do with harmonic distortion, let that rise up and they will hear that. I'll kind of leave it there for right now, but that's kind of, that's what I'm telling everyone right now. And that's what we're finding. So some people know? in that context live, 
may have heard the bass through the subs mm-hmm. primarily mm-hmm. because maybe their PA wasn't deployed 100% awesome. Mm-hmm. And so now that's gone. So to get the notes from the bass guitar, right. to your point, you're going to have to rely on those higher order harmonics right. to be able to get the tone of the bass rather than just the woof that was in the subs. Right. I and, love that. And, and, and don't be scared. To, when, I, when I mentioned harmonic distortion, that doesn't mean you need to, you have, you need to have 30 plugins or 20 different bits of vintage gear. You know, <clears throat> also embrace EQ in places that you never did before. Because you know, yeah. you're still just trying to shift the message. You're just doing it now. You've got a narrower, kind of more focused, microscopic type of uh, window to work within. Good. So before we go on to further technical stuff, mm-hmm. I just I flashed a, a an email that I got this week about going back to the the management board tape conversation. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's in our MXU tribe got a note from their worship pastor, the MD on stage, who was listening back and actually wondered if there was something happening in the conversion between the console, like from what they were doing on stage to the digital console to how it got converted to be able to go out because when they listen back the vocals are just flat they don't sound very good yeah and he thought that there was something technically wrong i'm listening back and i'm thinking you're just not a great singer right right <laughs> so how do you have that conversation oh, wow because there are some things that like we said the the what used to be covered up with the big PA is now right in your face. That vocal, if we want it to be loud so that it's conveying the message of the lyric, mm-hmm. it's got to be a good performance. Yeah. And when it's not, mm-hmm. how can we sort of have that conversation? Well, you're definitely, you know, you're definitely blending this whole live performance versus recording situation thing in in whole new ways. And I completely agree with you about you know, getting, getting your levels right. Because, so I'm a, I'm a worship leader on Sunday mornings at a church in Atlanta, but as a result of coronavirus, I am also doing tons of pre-records yeah. beforehand and getting it ready for broadcast. And because of my background as a, as a producer and a recording engineer, I'm delivering everything at minus 14 lufs. And the reason why I'm delivering at minus 14 lufs is because that's the point where YouTube or Facebook mm-hmm. will actually start dropping the level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get it as hot as you can, but you're absolutely right when, you know, when you've got musicians on stage who are not used to having the micro microscope on their individual elements within a mix, uh, it's it, it changes the whole ball game yeah. and so lots of effects. That's what I suggested that's, to our friend. That's what it's I'm like doing. okay, maybe a little more reverb than you would yep. typically yep. just to give it some space. You know, it's almost like the way your PA would cover a multitude of sins in some yeah. ways. You know, additional effects can do that in a way. Yeah. And, you know, we have tools like Auto-Tune or Waves-Tune Real-Time or mm-hmm. some of those things that they may have been reluctant to admit that they needed. Sure. But if you A-B it to somebody and mm-hmm. go, here's without, here's with, and you're using it properly, you know, it can make a pretty good singer sound a lot better. So, um, but there's a lot of wiggle room there because you don't want to insult their ego. And a lot of it depends on, too, if they're building a mix for Facebook Live or whatever through auxiliaries on the mixing desk. Right. You know, you want to say to them, is there any way that you can patch in a different type of compressor 
that's going to go to that versus using the compression that you're using, you know, and I'm not very adept at, at live sound. So probably that's an option on most digital desks. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. So, so as side question, as an artist and an engineer, how is it mixing yourself? I hate it. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. You know, because um, we've decided just for the sake of convenience and everything, we were doing the live thing for a while, but we were doing live thing from two different locations and we were blending them together. We had some sort of switching unit. Yeah. Um, but it was just more chaos than, than it needed to be. So eventually, after about a month, we decided to go to full pre-records. So I do all the music stuff pre-record, the pastor does all the preaching pre-record, and everybody in between, and then they take it on Saturday evening and put it together. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not fun to do to mix yourself. No, it's not. Well, nobody likes to hear themselves on tape, really, anyway. Yeah. Like, you hear a recording of your voice, and it's a little awkward. I can't yeah. imagine if, like, it's the main thing, and you're having to be the one to... Yeah, it's not the best. No. <laughs> I think it's important, too, to, to jump back to a minute to what we were talking about in the last segment that, you know, I always dubbed it, you know, it's the ugly baby syndrome. It's like, there's mm. no such thing as an ugly baby. Right. But having to tell someone right. that you, it's <laughs> good. Baby's kind of ugly. That's yeah. Good. I mean, yeah. it's, and, and, I, and for the young people that are listening, I think there is, and I'm not going to get, stay off my lawn and old man too much in this, but there is a conversation that needs to be had that I, I never will forget. My dad hung out with me in the studio for the first time. He sat back on the couch. It was just weird. A bunch of dads were there playing different things and, and ancillary instruments. And we left the studio and we're walking back to the house. And he said, man, I didn't realize the process of how much of a psychiatrist you really are. Mm -hmm. You know all this, and that's part of it. But yeah. being able to meet someone and have a conversation, especially with young people, that I was fortunate to to kind of wrap my arms around with young people that were just starting a band and the the excitement and just the, you know, unfiltered just rage and really great things that they were doing and having a conversation at some point when they, because you know it's coming. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, do I have what it takes? And you have to have a conversation and be honest. It says yes and no, or these are things you need to work on and be honest and have that conversation mm -hmm. and have the psychiatry of it. When you hit that point, and even if it is bad, you got to say, you know, you've got to get your musicianship up. There's just this thing that drops all of a sudden, and everybody gets really comfortable in the room and mm -hmm. stops thinking about it, and it starts to become really fun, and and we're off. And the message being, I want to be able to help you get there if mm -hmm. I can. Sure. So I've got tools here that I can help you as you try to move in that direction. Yes. We're going to implement those tools and. We're going to try to get better together. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you if something's out of tune or if you need to check the tuning on your guitar or this performance just didn't quite have what it needed. Yeah. But you need to trust me. Yes. And it's difficult, especially sometimes in a church scenario, because mm -hmm. the guy sitting in the chair building the mix mm -hmm. works for the guy on stage who's having the problem. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do you do that with your boss? Yeah. But you're working together to make a good musical choice. I think something that I've noticed uh, watching a bunch of these broadcasts on Sunday mornings when we're talking about houses of worship is the ones who have transitioned really well during this weird time of social distancing. There's been a lot of good stuff. Um, there's been churches that have succeeded by altering their arrangements. 
Mm-hmm. Simplifying their arrangements, making them much easier, much simpler, versus trying to, you know, let's say emulate note for note what the latest Hillsong or, you know, North Point or whatever is doing and simplifying their arrangements because it takes a lot of stress off of those 20 extra channels, you know, yeah. in the morning. And yeah. the end game too of going, well, am I mixing for an iPhone? Am I mixing for a tablet or a computer or a car stereo? I mean, it's a lot of different variables. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not having to, because to me, psychoacoustically, you mentioned that earlier, it's weird for me sitting in my office or my living room watching on my computer and the the people on the other end are pretending like it's as big as it used to be or as yeah. loud as it was mm-hmm. when we were live. It's not. It's not. I'm sitting here by myself in my room. Mm-hmm. I I know that I'm not watching, you know, a stadium show. Mm-hmm. So why try to make it feel like this big anthem moment? Maybe yeah. the best way to connect with me as a listener musically is to totally strip it down. Sure. And kind of meet me where I am mm-hmm. in this sort of one-on-one moment. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we've talked to people about is, gosh, you may have to talk to your folks about actually looking into the camera lens. Yeah. Whereas before we trained you not to look at the camera mm-hmm. because you're just on stage engaging everyone. Well, maybe you need to engage me, mm-hmm. you know, in the eyes. You know, so that kind of stuff can be super helpful too. True. Kind of what I'm hearing here, not not to put too glowing of a spin on it, but is you know, a lot of opportunities. In other words, when we started talking about that vocalist that has a question, oh, it sounds really flat or it sounds this or that. <clears throat> it, of course, this is when we get into like reading the room and you're going to know who you're talking to, yeah. whether it's, there's even a point in trying to educate, help, nurture, or yeah. just drop it and just let them talk. You know, you're going to know, but let's assume that there, that there is the ability to educate to help further along this person, <clears throat> you know, it might be that this might be the time where you're like, always, I've been looking for the opportunity to talk to this person about their mic technique or about using tune or about yeah. for ourselves, maybe this is the opportunity to go, hey, you know what? COVID stinks. This is hard. Yeah. Let's embrace this and do the best we can with what we, you know what I'm saying? Totally. Um, and, and, and I believe that while that is certainly a mode uh, to operate under of let's make the, the most of this, I do feel people are becoming better mixers. I do too. Yeah. Because everything is so under the microscope, and I'm telling you, it will translate. Yeah. It will absolutely 100% translate to the big mix when it comes back if you aren't already there. But yeah. again, when it comes to you know, the opportunities here, I can't tell you how many like fabricated conversations I've had with artists that I've been, it took me a year to find the right moment. And like here, I'm hearing a lot of opportunities, you know, maybe if you've got someone you can speak confidently to, you don't just like broach the idea of tune. You very confidently just go, yeah, you know what? We're not hearing it. You know what it is. Yeah. Now that we're hearing this in a more sort of modern, polished thing, think about what you hear on the radio. Everything's tuned. If we could just incorporate, you know, boom, just you go just at Just be direct. Them. Be yeah. direct. Yeah. You know, which is not saying you're horrible. Right. And, you know, it's like. There's, there's, there's tactful ways to do it. So. Well, the cool thing about that in a church setting especially is that um, at the early stages of COVID and the lockdowns and all the stuff, everybody was in scramble mode. Mm-hmm. And so the production folks were the ones who saved the day because we're smart. We've got the solutions. We've got the technology. And so leadership that may not have ever even known mm-hmm. how capable these folks were are now going, wait. These guys are great. 
Right. So now we finally have a voice mm -hmm. in some ways to actually have those conversations. So it's almost been like it's opened the door right. to have what would have been a difficult conversation in a more confident way mm -hmm. because there's a trust that's been established because, hey, I didn't know how to record a video. And now I'm making iPhone videos in my living room as the pastor doing all that I need to do for Sunday by myself because you helped me with a good light and a good setting on my camera and a way to make it sound okay. You know, and those kind of things, it's like they built trust. So mm -hmm. now they have the relational capital to have that more difficult conversation. That's good. And I was going to say, you know, look to the future too, that you may have now, you know, I'm real big on having a seat at the table when, when it comes to production. And a lot of yeah. times audio, particularly when we're getting into kind of showbiz, you know what I mean? When we're getting into lights, camera, action, da, 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 da audio is falling it falls down that you have to fight to have a seat at the table. Yeah. And now, you know, because as you were saying, what you just said was brilliant, relational capital, you know, keep that. That's an asset. Yeah. And in moving forward, don't leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? As hard as you've had to fight for truck space on the tour. Absolutely. Fight for that relational you, capital. You, yeah. You've got it now. And just now you're there and just let this be a springboard, you know, for, for what's to come. And, and I really do believe that that's what's possible now, you know? That's great. Mm -hmm. So... You guys being, you know, in the live realm, so let's say vaccines come and we've taken care of coronavirus and we, are we moving back to just purely live performance and not doing the streaming thing anymore? Or is that second, is that always going to be a secondary supplemental thing? Like even on tours, is that mm -hmm. going to be a new thing? I mean, that's the million dollar question. And for the, the, if there's anything about this time <clears throat> that I've gotten the biggest kick out of is the fact that for once, no one has the scoop. Yeah. <laughs> there's no inside scoop. There's no one to call. No one knows. You know what I mean? And for the first few months of COVID, for me, I mean, while I love the art of what I do, I have become very well versed in the political aspect of it too. And I'm really good at it. For a few months, man, it was nice to take off from politics. You know why? Because no one knew. Yeah. There was not one single person I could call. Yet, once I did start to kind of talking to people again, it was funny how everyone's still grandstanding with their opinions. Oh, yeah. and they the, think they know. And their doctrine <laughs> of, I mean, the president of name it is going to tell you exactly how it's going to be. Yeah. And so, to, so to, to that point, I don't know. I do, I had a video friend of mine, uh, a touring video director who was, and I've heard this said a lot lately since then, was like, you know, we were always moving towards things like Zoom and all these other things being a bigger part of our lives, this just hit fast forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, the difference is they are the focal point of our lives now. Right. So I do think a lot of this is here to stay, but not to take the place. And, but again, that's just my opinion, yeah. you know, yeah. no, but not to take the place of fully, particularly when it comes to a live performance, because I do personally believe, of course, it's in my best interest to believe this, but that we are... It is human nature to commune, to celebrate, Absolutely. to get together, mm -hmm. and to do the, to do these things. And I yeah. think we will want to do that again, whether you know? in church or not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it's it's a church, it's a football game, it's a concert, it's mm -hmm. a family reunion. Whatever those gathering spaces are, we we have to get back to some of that. But mm -hmm. in the church world, to answer your question, I personally think that the streaming thing and the social media engagement and all that is. There's no turning back. Yeah, we have to keep pouring gas on that and keep getting better at it because you know the average person in America who says they're a 
regular church attender is really only there a little over once a month anyway in person. And I think we finally started to realize that. So now how can we get so good at what we're doing to be engaging online Mm -hmm. such that people will want to be with us more regularly and more often? Mm -hmm. So let's, let's go ahead and amp up the quality as much as we can on our stream mixes and on our content and on our approach to being creative. Then when we go back to being able to meet together, our mixes are going to be better. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we may reveal some flaws in our PA deployment and our acoustics because it should translate from what I'm doing on a board mix to what you're hearing in the room. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't, okay, let's put some resources toward making that even better. So it's kind of a both and, and they can both kind of build on each other. Cool. You know, and again here, I'm hearing like opportunity. And in this case, the opportunity to reach more people, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there's some people that literally, I mean, they might have anxiety about going in crowds and, they, and they've had it well before COVID. Yeah. And now there's a means of reaching them there. So it's like, you know, again, kind of seeing the silver linings here, there, there are quite a few. And I'm with you, particularly in House of Worship. And mainly, you know, House of Worship has really shown, shined um, during this time because the House of Worship world has continued. Right. In a remarkable fashion, mm-hmm. like no matter what, they have just done everything possible to keep going. And they're the only ones that have, that have yeah. pulled it off. And other live events have stayed completely shut down. Completely shut down. And will be. Like first thing to get shut off, last thing to get turned back on. Right. Yeah. Right. And so now you look at like all of these new facets of, of and, I, and I've told a number of equipment manufacturers this. I'm like, right now, I'm like, guys, the house of worship market, because not only are they redefining themselves in the moment they're re- they're redefining themselves for the future too yeah you know now that's this multifaceted production thing going on so you made a great point you know we we brought in several bands and done live production and uh one of which bj barn from american aquarium really had a great point that he said you know this has been an eye-opening experience for me as a you know the kind of the cultivator of this band american aquarium that i've been able to reach thousands more people than we've ever been able to reach on a high audio video quality that I'm going to continue to do this mm-hmm. for the people that have anxiety that can't come or the, right. or the towns that we don't go to. Yeah. Right. So it's not a replacement, but it's it's nice to have as a supplemental offering for yeah. somebody that's yeah. not there. And particularly for like, a, you know, a younger person. I mean, what we're talking about here is, is you know, additive to our mm-hmm. industry as we know it. It's And again, it's just getting through this and seeing that, that, you know, there is lack of work now. I'm telling you on the other side of this, there is more work because yeah. these things are now, they're, they're part of what we do. You know? And from an artist's perspective who may, who may really have been struggling with, okay, I'm not selling physical units of my music anymore. It's all streaming. How can I monetize the experience for the fan if I can't have a concert? What does that look like? It's like, there are a lot of questions, but there are also a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's key to what you're saying is, mm-hmm. gosh, maybe it's a place like this where they come and do a small concert and then have something that they can sell as a stream that's the concert experience that's captivating and engaging, but I can do it from home. Meeting people where they are. Yeah, it's very cool. Glass mm-hmm. half full, guys. That's what the that's league of medium <laughs> handsome gentlemen needs to be. <laughs> well, then what I'll do is every, every Saturday I'll send you mix send you multi-tracks of me so that you guys can mix for sunday so that i don't have to. there you go <laughs> that's a deal <laughs> yeah well i'm still sad i missed the 
recording at Tweed, but Jeff, you did a pretty good job. You should think about doing more, you know, things like that, teaching people, <laughs> curating conversations. Well, You're getting pretty good at well, it. We're trying to figure out how to keep doing it on MXU now. As long as, you know, as long as there's things to say, we're going to keep saying them. So, hey, you know what? Um, Daniel and Jay, what are you guys doing in the fall of this year? Like end of September, first couple weeks of October. Are you guys busy? Uh, I think I'm driving a tour bus. Uh, <laughs> Can you? I gotta get I gotta get whipped with some leaves and a sauna. But other than that, my schedule's open. Well, um, you know, we're getting close to making it official, but we're talking about taking MXU live on the road and doing a tour. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. Can you two come if we do that? Yes, my chicken tikka masala yes. will be there. Oh, gosh. Come on. Can you make chicken tikka masala in a Traeger? You can make chicken tikka in a Traeger, yes. Well, I think we should pull one in the trailer. No, not even a question. All right. Tra- Traeger trailer. Traeger trailer. Yeah. More info on that to come later, but we're getting close, people. Yes. So, yeah, all the details are coming into place, and so we've hinted about it long enough. We're actually going to have an official announcement soon with actual dates and an actual way to buy tickets. So we can't wait, and we, most of all, can't wait to see everybody again in person because it's been way too long. Way too long. Well, thanks for joining us, boys. Yeah, appreciate the invite. Good times. All right, we'll do it again.